Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm Jeff, and uh, really, it's great to have you here this morning. If you're joining us online, it's great to have you out there. Even though we can't see you, we know you're there. Um, look, at, I want to tell you about a series that we're starting next week. Uh, it's called The Fruit of the Spiritual Life. You know, if you were to join a gym, and some will now as the pandemic starts to wane, Typically, people will go in with a certain goal in mind. You know, some people will go in thinking, you know what, I, I want to get, get in shape. I want to play a sport. I want to I increase my cardio. Maybe I want to lose 10 pounds. You, you go in with a certain goal, and you hope that by the end of the year, you'll be able to kind of track your progress and say, man, I, all this work I've done, I've kind of <laughs> I've made some progress. I've gotten to this point. And... You know, the spiritual journey is, is very similar in, in many ways. We go to a spiritual gym like this, or maybe we tune in online, because we have some kind of idea that we're, we're, we want to progress in some area of our life. We want to achieve that. We want to experience something. The question is, what, what is the something? What is the progress? What, what are we trying to achieve even by doing this? Depending on your spiritual tradition that you maybe came from, assuming maybe you, you grew up in some form of church, there's different spiritual gyms out there that believe the outcome or the progress should be in a, a look a certain way. Some, it's your biblical knowledge. So they, they drill you on really being able to understand maybe parts of the Bible or memorizing passages. Maybe it's understanding theological concepts that you intellectually ascend to and you go, okay, yes, I know that I believe these certain things and we, we get unanimity that way. They're all good targets, but around here at Friends Church, the big goal that we have in mind is actually less about intellectual ascent and more about a way of life that we're, we believe we're, we're trying to aspire to, a way of being in our world. That is more the metric we're trying to follow. Paul, one of the big writers of scripture, he says, man, I can do all these amazing things, but one thing I've realized, if I don't have love in my life, it all kind of doesn't matter. I can do these spiritual calisthenics. Jesus talked in the same way. It's like, you, you, you just need to watch what's happening in a person's life to know whether their spiritual life is actually on track. Book of 1 John says, you can claim you know God, but if you don't love your brother, you're fooling yourself. The spiritual life that you're claiming to live is actually a bit of a farce. So next week, we're, we continue on this journey of kind of saying, what, what is the goal? Well, the goal is this way of being. How, what does that look like? This book of the Bible, Galatians, it talks about these kind of outward measurements. It refers to them as fruits. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It says, you, you want to know what's going on internally in your spiritual life? Measure these things. Watch what you're producing in your life. 
Now, just like going to a physical gym, you go, well, how could I increase my cardio? Well, these are the kinds of exercises you could do. Get on that elliptical. All right, let's get going on that. And, hey, you know, take this spin class. Ah, that'll work. You want to produce some more shoulder strength, chest strength. All right, here's some great exercises you can do. Much like that in the gym here, if we're leading to love and joy and peace, and we're asking the question, what will produce that? What will do that? This series that we're beginning next week, Fruits of the Spiritual Life, is designed to speak to the kinds of exercises, the kinds of things that will lead to more love, more peace, more patience, kindness, things like that. So if you've been interested If you're keen on a year from now, looking back at your time in the spiritual gym and going, is this moving or is this just a bit of a charade? Come out over these next number of weeks and start figuring out what are the kinds of things that could lead me to that kind, a way of being in this world that we think our spiritual ancestors were continually speaking to. All right? You won't want to miss it. Whether you can join us in, uh, in person or online, uh, we think you will, uh, you'll benefit from what we're talking about. Kelty. Kelty, and this is the part of our service that we call charitable giving. Um, Every week, if you come or you join online or you listen, um, actually the podcast is slightly different, but if you're joining online or here, you hear from one of me or my colleagues telling you a little bit more about how we as a community can give back to support this church. I know that many, many of you um, do that already regularly, whether you do it through one-time donations on a regular basis or whether you sign up for pre-authorized giving, that you're already giving back, and it's through your generosity that we can continue to operate the church in the way that we do. For those of you who haven't been donors, either you're new to the church, it's not that right season for you to be a donor, you're not exactly sure how, um, my message is for you this morning. It's really easy to donate in a number of different ways. It doesn't have to be a big spectacular donation. It has to, it is just what what you want to give back to the church. You can do that in a couple of ways. We have an app, or through our website, you can click on the donate button. It's super easy. You can give a one-time donation. It's one time. There's no ongoing obligation. If you want to sign up for something longer than that, we call that pre-authorized giving, and it's on a monthly basis. You can stop that anytime you want. So if part of you is thinking, ah, I don't know. I can do it now. I can do it for the next couple of months, but I don't know what September is going to hold. That is totally fine. That is able to be stopped anytime and restarted whenever you want. Also, if you're old school and have checks or cash, um, which I never do anymore, there's a box at the back of the church that you can slide your money into, and we'll take it that way too. So for those of you who haven't donated, I urge you to think about it. Um, And if the time is right for you, please do feel free to give to the church. If the season is not right for you to give cash, but you want to figure out a way to give back to the church, I have another great option for you. We are running a casino on March 20, or May 27th and 28th. We are hosting a casino at, I think it's at the Cowboys Casino, um, at the Stampede Grounds. We have one slot left to fill. The equivalent of volunteering for one of those slots is giving $1,800 back to the church. So if this isn't the right season for you to give a cash donation, this is another opportunity for you to give back to the church in a way that is incredibly meaningful. 
there are two volunteer spots that are left there that are sort of um, in case we need you. So you can get all the glory of being a volunteer and we might never call on you. Those are there as well. But we do have one spot where we need someone for the cash or for the um, cashier's room left on the Saturday night. So if that's you, please do join. Uh, you can go onto the website under the events. There's a link there and an easy place to sign up. One more activity to tell you about. In two weeks, we'll be doing our river cleanup. Uh, that is a great chance for us after the service to get together and chat as we walk along, clean up some of the pathways together with a bunch of other Calgarians who will also be doing that as a coordinated effort on that Sunday. If you happen to be someone who's watching from home, you're not quite ready to come back into this, maybe that's an opportunity for you to reconnect with some people from church in an open-air environment that feels more comfortable for you. Either way, you're ready for uh, Vince. He's ready to bring in, bring it home with the very exciting topic of today. <laughs> Thanks, Kelty. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. Y'all are a very staid group. We're going to talk about sex today, you know. <laughs> and don't, someone lock the door so no one can run out. <laughs> uh, imagine me. I'm like 16 years old. I have a driver's license. I have this big ass dreadlock hair. And I'm about to go out and uh, go on a date. And my mom is like, she's usually a very nice lady, but before, every time I go out, she'd kind of like sit me down and like stare me straight in the eyes and be like, okay, Vincent, be a good Christian gentleman tonight. If you knew my mom translation, don't be sexual. Don't kiss, don't have sex, don't do anything sexual. Like this is a no sex zone be a good Christian gentleman. And you see how my brain connected sexuality and Christianity as those don't go together. But I'm 16 years old. I got enough hormones in me for 13 people. If you think back to your life, <laughs> when I looked in my mom's eyes in those moments, what I saw in her eyes was, I am just doing everything I can to not make you do something that I'm not going to be happy with. Because she had a very strong ethic that she felt was, this is the way you need to live. And, and sex was okay as long as it was only with my future partner and only with them. And when I talk about sex here today, I want you guys to think much broader than sex. Whatever you think sex is, think broader. It's pleasure, eroticism, things that feel good, things that um, get you excited all of that. And my mom, I don't know that she knew how to reconcile two boys and their sexuality with her ethic. And so whenever she, we saw her, there was this kind of judgment of like, don't you be doing anything, Clausen. What did you see in your family's eyes? What did you see when you were young and you started to realize, okay, what's going on inside of me? Why does that feel really good? Hey, you know, being out with those people, there's something that really, that, that was kind of exciting. What did you see in the eyes of the people around you? When you looked into your friend's eyes, did you see the sameness? Oh, they're just like me. They like the same things I do. They're excited about the same things. When we talk, there's openness and curiosity. Or did you see this kind of like, no, 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 no. This is the way it needs to be. This is how we are. This is who we like. This is how we express ourselves. Switch had a service last week called Girl Power. And the girls, uh, two of the girls in the, the Switch program ran it, teenagers. 
And the one girl says, she says, I came downstairs a couple months ago. And I'm, you know, I'm just past puberty, and so I'm starting to learn, you know, my body's changed, I can feel people reacting to me differently, I'm starting to express my sexuality in my body and in the, what I wear. And someone in her family said, you look like a slut, go get changed. What did she see in their eyes? When you think of the eyes of the church, what did you see? Did you see excitement and curiosity and, and pleasure was a positive thing? Or was there a sense of like, no, 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 nuns and monks, that's what we're trying to be here. The whole goal of Christianity is to make you all nuns and monks. What did you see in the eyes of the world? Did your sexuality meet their standards? Did the things that you like, the things you want to engage in, was it received with curiosity and love? Or was it judgment? Maybe even disgust? In order to talk about a topic as loaded as sexuality and pleasure, I think we need to start by something that our tradition's done for years, we lament. We look back at the moments in our lives where things didn't go well, where we wished people would have reacted differently to us, where we wish we would have saw acceptance and love and connection and we saw something completely different. And we feel that. We feel those moments where it felt bad and we go, yeah, that felt bad. That hurt. And in doing that, we let some of that pain go so we can start fresh. And so today as we start, I want to encourage you all to just go back into the eyes that looked at you and your sexuality and your pleasure and look at those eyes and, and feel that pain again. Feel that disconnect. Feel the whatever that was for you, whoever that was for you. And in your heart say, yeah, that didn't feel good. I wanted Al Sanders going to sing us a song. It's what got me thinking about this beginning of the message this way. Because I think it speaks to a lot of what our feelings are. Sometimes we, we want to connect with people sexually, and sometimes we want to pull back, we want to hide. talks about this grand facade that says, I'm just going to present myself and the things that I enjoy as the things that I know you will accept of me. But that doesn't work. And so in your eyes, I crave to see love and belonging, spirituality, and all the beautiful things. So as she sings, I want to encourage you, drop into those spaces that were painful. Give them voice today so we can start fresh after the song. I want to touch the heat and I see in your eyes. I want to feel complete in your eyes. It's a beautiful idea, isn't it? Today, before I get started, I want to start with, we call them landmines. <laughs> if you're going to talk about sex, there's this, like, I'm walking into a field of landmines. I don't know where they are, but I'm about to step on them. So I'm going to do my very best to try and put flags on landmines here today. So today, as we talk about sexuality, we're assuming consent, enthusiastic consent. If there's any two people, they both want it, okay? We're assuming that everyone is unique in their sexuality. Some sexuality is this little, little, little flicker of light. Some people have a raising infer raging inferno. That's okay. We're assuming that everybody, 
expresses their sexuality in light of strong ethics. This isn't about lying. This isn't about cheating. This isn't about any of that stuff. We're assuming that what I talk about today is not the be-all and end-all of sexuality. I'm going to give you guys some ideas, some ways to think about this, some, some handles to help conversation. But if you don't fit in what I'm going to talk about today, that's fine. If this doesn't capture all of your sexuality, that's fine. If the boxes I'm going to give you, you're like, well, I, I can sit across four boxes. Okay, great. The desire today is the desire we've done this whole year. We started off with this spiritual model. Can you throw that up for me? It says that all of our spirituality starts with awareness. We realize I am sexual. Oh, your first experience of sexuality. Oh, that feels good in my body. That feels good in my brain. And it always starts, just like all of our sexuality, it starts with I. Who am I? <laughs> I'm this geeky, like, Bible student kind of guy. So if you notice the title of the series, it's called Know Thyself. In biblical times, if you knew somebody, it means you had sex with them. So really, the series is this kind of pun on like knowing yourself in this deep sexual way. And why? Why are we talking about sexuality here at Friends Church? Why am I playing with this stupid pun? Just so you know, guys, that's a funny pun. Come on, know thyself. Throw me a bone here. Thank you. Jeez. I worked on that one for a while. I've been using it for three years. You guys give me nothing, just dead flat. Actually, there was a Bible school student back there who, as soon as they said no, they self, he started snickering. I was like, yeah. <laughs> know thyself. Why? Our spiritual ancestors took a whole t- bunch of books that they had, the tons and tons of books, and they started to go, wait, this book is important for our spirituality. They got like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, beginning books, the Torah. And they started collecting all these books. And they had more books that they could have put in there, but they threw some out there like, eh, this one's crap. This one's off topic. This one's garbage. But they put this one book in our oldest stories. It's called the Song of Songs. A couple key facts of the Song of Songs. Not once does it use the word God. Well, that's strange, isn't it? An entire book of the Bible that never mentions God, Jesus, crucifixion, cross, any of the things you think of as, sex, or as spirituality, none of it. None of the like, classic Christian terms is in there. Nothing. You know what it is? Two unmarried people, lovers, expressing erotic love poetry to each other. From beginning to end of the book, it's sex. In the broadest definition, pleasure, eroticism, there's self-pleasure in it. There's like all sorts of intimate acts. Some are said explicitly, some are said implicitly. Just so you know, we used to sing little songs as, as grade school kids uh, that were lyrics from this song. When I started studying it and realized what the lyrics actually meant, I started blushing and thinking of all these six-year-old kids singing about like oral sex. I was like, oh, okay. We should maybe think deeply about that before we have our kids sing that stuff, huh? Because this book is about that. It's not about a metaphor of like, well, this is Jesus and the Old and New Testament and any of that stuff. No, it's eroticism. 
And our spiritual ancestors said, we're going to take a book that has nothing to do with what you classically think of as religion, and we're going to put it in there because we think this is part of our spirituality. Who am I? Who are you all? Part of it is sexual. And to do our spiritual journey, to figure out who am I to become aware of this, we need to go to our sexuality, the thing that the church has done their very best to ignore. If you don't believe me, listen to what Jeff said last week. Listen to my mom, good Christian gentleman. Christian meant no sexuality. That's what that word meant. And yet... Our spiritual ancestors said not only was this important, they put a book in our most sacred texts that said explore yourself sexually, figure out what you like, what is it pleasurable for you, who are you sexually? Does that not blow your mind? And so today we're going to talk about sexuality. And the reason I'm going to, I'm going to get into the who am I, I, I started to learn about this work from a lady. She's 60-some years old, 62 maybe. Her name's Alison Armstrong. She's a, a gender researcher and relationship expert. Fantastic work. I can't recommend her enough. But she just lost her husband. So for 30 years, we've been hearing about her work through the lens of her husband, and now he's gone. He passed away a few years ago. And so Allison starts dating. And she says, I didn't know what I was like sexually. I knew what my husband and I were like, and that worked for me. But I don't know who I am. And she said, there's this woman. She goes by the name Miss Jaya. She says, there's a podcast, she's, I can just see her. She's this kind of old lady. You have to listen to this lady. You have to pay attention to her work. Go and check her out. Because for the first time ever, I realized that who am I sexually might look different than who you are sexually. Maybe you all knew that ahead of time. But I assume everything through the lens of what I look like. And we all do this, right? You meet someone new, you assume they want to shake hands because you like to shake hands. That's an assumption. We assume other people are like us until we realize, wait, 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 you're different than me. Well, who am I? So Miss Jaya, uh, did anyone watch the thing Sex, Love, and Goop on Netflix? It's a series. I highly recommend it. It's really good. And it, so Miss Jai was on there, right? You saw her, she's got this kind of long, kind of salt and pepper hair. She's, yeah, she's crazy, I love her. What she did is she said, she started, she was a sex, somatic sexologist, which means that she helps people with their sexuality. Somatic means your body. So in some states, somatic sexologists will help you learn your sexuality by engaging with you with touch. Not in reciprocal enjoyment, but more as like a clinical way of doing this. So she has people in, she's helping them figure out how to heal themselves sexually. She has couples in, and she's starting to realize, wait a second, what works for this person doesn't work for that person. And what worked for this person, they just did it with that person, and it instantly turned them off. And she started making notes, and she started going, wait a second, I'm starting to see some patterns. And here's what she found. She found that, and again in her work, this isn't be all and end all, 
She came up with five different categories of pleasure and eroticism that each one of us might fit into. Five. I'm going to read you a little bit of them. Here's what I want you to do. See which one resonates inside of you. If you already know, maybe if you're partnered, if you have sex with someone else, see what maybe your partner is or maybe your past partner's. So first thing she said, the first people she called energetics. These are people who are sexually energetic. She says, these are the Jedi Knights of sex. <laughs> Love that line. They have superpowers that other types may not understand. She says, they're able to, sometimes, some of them are able to have an orgasm without touch from across the room. That's pretty cool. Energetic type is someone who's turned on by anticipation, the space, the tease. Longing, yearning, foreplay. You may be an energetic if you feel that everything, you feel everything, even before the kiss happens, you can feel all the enticement. Oh, we're going to kiss. And you can feel all the connection even before the kiss. Very, very sensitive. Doesn't take much to turn you on. They say, she says it's like dropping a pebble in the water. But turn on is very specific. Anyone feel, no, don't put up your hand. Normally, you see how in normal world I could say like, are you introverted? Oh, you're introverts. Yeah, let's do this. Here I could like, ugh, everyone's like, I can't admit that. I'd love it at some point if we could be like, yeah, I'm an energetic sexual. Woohoo! <laughs> Box number two, sensual. Sensuals bring beauty and full body deliciousness to the sexual experience. This is Jaya's language. They have the superpower that other types may envy, like being able to experience orgasmic ecstasy from eating your favorite foods. You know that perfect peach or this rich dark chocolate that makes you moan with delicious overpowering pleasure? The sensual type is someone who's turned on by all their senses being ignited. This is someone who loves taste and smell. They want to walk into a beautiful setting where they're coming into eroticism. They bring artistry. And so the superpower of the sensual is they have full body access to orgasmic pleasure through all their senses. It isn't always genital focused. It could be something like someone feeding you a delicious piece of chocolate while they lick the back of your knee. <laughs> that sounds like straight from Song of Songs, man. You know, if I read you guys Song of Songs, y'all be blushing, just so you know. So we have energetic Energetics, one of the things she does is she says this. Let's try this. Okay, everyone, put your arms like this. Kind of quite far apart. Now close your eyes and slowly move your arms towards each other until you can feel one arm kind of in the other arm. You kind of feel it energetically. They're not touching it, but you can feel their energy. Now open your eyes and look how far apart your arms are. Energetics often can feel it where it's quite far apart. Non-energetics are like this. I think I can feel it. <laughs> so we have energetics we have sensuals the sensuals are those people I watch my wife she'll bring home my wife's a florist she'll bring home flowers and she touches the flowers in this way that's like I'm like babe you can't touch the flowers you'll wreck them to the florist who touches flowers for a living but she touches them like sensual there's this beauty like when she touches a flower and she looks at it, something's going on inside of her. And I just want to be beside her when it happens because it's so incredible. We walk through gardens and she just like, it overwhelms her. 
Third box. This one's going to make you all giggle a little bit. Kinky. There's a beautiful connection in our brains between all kinds of things and sexuality and sensuality. It's not as simple as my visual or my kinesthetic, the sensuals or my energetic. Oh man, our brains are way cooler than that. And the kinky gets turned on by things that are taboo. Things that were like, well, you know, you can't do that. Oh, that's the stuff that gets kinkies going like, oh. Kinkies bring never-ending heat, taboo, and creativity to sexual experience. You have superpowers that others would love to be able to access to, like being able to reach deep, altered states of consciousness. Some call it subspace or dom space. Finding high amounts of pleasure and orgasm from intense situations or psychological power dynamics. The kinky type is someone who's turned on by taboo. And again, taboo is anything for you. If you grew up in a, in a family that was like, no sex, sex is bad, and masturbation might be something that's taboo for you. It might be something that you see on TV, I don't know. It's taboo for you. There are a couple of different kinds of kinky. Some are psychological. They'll play games in their head. The psychologicals are incredible. They can have like a whole sexual experience without anybody even in the room. They can just do it all in their brains. Others, it's uh, physical, sensation-based, being restrained, being touched, being hit, stuff that's extreme. Those are the people who, you know, if you just kind of tickle their skin a little bit, they're kind of like, eh, they need more. It's incredible. So we have energetic, we have sensual, we have kinky. Third one, this one's pretty straightforward because this is what we see in TV. You notice up until now, most of what I've talked about isn't stuff we see in popular media. The third one she calls sexual. Sexuals have high drive and are turned on by nudity, orgasms, and sexual interactions that are simple and to the point. If it's coupled-based, when they, <laughs> there's this quiz that they ask, um, what do you prefer as foreplay? The sexuals are like, none, thank you. Just jump right in. The energetics are like, the whole point is the foreplay. So you can imagine a, a, sexual, a sexual and an energetic trying to figure things out. Sexual is type that someone, the sexual type is someone who's turned on by what we think of as sex in our culture. Nudity, genital, penetration. There's some of the things that the sexuals love. Their superpower is that they're easily turned on and they turn on like zero to 60 in about two seconds. It's not that there's a lack of depth to them, but there's a simplicity to their sexuality. It's like, I love this. I know it works for me. Let's just do it. And it's not even in couple them. It's even in, in personal work. I know it turns me on. This is easy. Why make it more difficult than that? It's pretty straightforward. Even as I started reading this stuff, I realized what an incredible span of sexuality already. And how different are we all? And how little each of this is represented in the media. So when we talk about the spiritual work of who am I sexually, who am I through the, song of, the lens of the Song of Songs in, in the Old Testament, this, this erotic love poetry, who am I? Most of us have been thinking very, very narrow. I'm this or I'm not this. And as I read this, I was like, oh my goodness. There's this whole span. The, the fifth one she talks about, she says is a shapeshifter. Shapeshifters are the ultimate lovers. Huh. Anyone who's a shapeshifter is like, yeah, that's me. 
They're able to speak many different erotic languages, which allows them to play with just about everyone. You have superpowers that others might envy. Shapeshifter type is someone who's turned on by everything the sensual, the sexual, the kinky, and the energetic types are turned on by. They're just good at it all. Everything works for them. The superpower of the shapeshifter is they become an amazing lover to anyone. They're like, oh, you're kinky? Oh, yeah, I'll just be kinky. That's cool. Oh, you're sensual? Oh, yeah, I can just do that too. It's incredible. <laughs> as you hear this, as you hear me talk through this piece, what comes up for you? Are you stuck in, my brain was stuck in, holy crap, I had no clue. I can't believe how narrow a definition of sexuality I've had for most of my life and how much broader this can be. I thought about certain types and thought, oh man, I bet you they have it really hard in our culture where there's not acceptance and love. <laughs> it's... <laughs> My erotic blueprint, my number one, is right on the tip of my tongue, and I do not want to say it. I can feel it, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise, my number one came up as sexual. Sexuality, easy to the point. Good Christian gentleman, what did my mom tell me my whole life? Sex is bad. How do we reconcile this? Each one of these has a superpower. Actually, it has a million superpowers. If you're energetic, you can do things that no one else can do. You can be sexual from the moment you finish. So if you're, let's just say you're partnered sexual. So again, all the way through this, this is, you can be solo, you can be partnered, you can have 100 partners. I don't care. It's all how you express it. An energetic can do it through the entire day. They can be sexual from the time they stopped having sex with someone, sex, all the way through to the next time they have sex with someone. They can build anticipation all the way through. They can live an entire life as sexual. That's pretty cool. A sensual sucks more pleasure out of life, I think, than anyone I've ever seen. So if you're sensual, you can pull things out of this world in terms of pleasure and eroticism that no one else will even understand. Kinky, you guys can do stuff that very few of us can do because you can bring sexuality into things that are extreme and that are different and you can show us connections that are incredible. Sexuals, you, we're to the point. Easy peasy. And then you shapeshifters like... Jeez, people, you can do everything? Like, that's cheating. My goal is to help you see what, what your erotic pattern looks like and realize that's okay. Who you are is okay. It's beautiful. And in the eyes of the world, I hope you start to see acceptance and love and curiosity. In the eyes of your partners or your lovers, I hope you see caring and, and openness. If you're not partnered and someday you want to be partnered, I hope this will give you the sense of going, actually, this is who I am. This is what works for me. And now I can communicate it real easy. Oh, by the way, I'm essential. If the pillow's not on the bed in the right place, 
this isn't going to work for me. So let's make a beautiful space and we're going to have a blast. That's the thing. Can you throw up that diagram again for me? In awareness, we always start with there's awareness of I, who am I? And I'm hoping today I've given you some language to figure out who, are, who am I sexually? Who are you sexually? But then we realize there might be other people. That girl who came down in the beginnings of her sexuality, she probably has responsive desire, which means that how people react to you often has um, impact in your sexuality. And the first thing she hears out of her parents' mouth is, you look like a slut, go change. She's realizing that they are different than I am. And the sad part is she realized they are against who I am. You see, if we can do sexuality on our own, it's a lot easier. As soon as we start opening it up to the world around us, in whatever way that looks like, from flirting all the way through to whatever looks like sex to you, you have to grapple with who are they. And I can almost guarantee you that they will be different than you. They will go through their blueprint and they'll be like, oh yeah, this, this is what works for me, not this. And we have to reconcile that profoundly spiritual piece that says, how do we deal with the people around us and honor their difference? Honor their sexual differences. We can think of it as combative. I'm against them. You know, my daughter dressed this way. My partner did this. The person at my, you know, at the party did this. I am against them. I'm trying to get something from them. Or, like we've been working on spiritually the whole way through, we can start to figure out how do we create a win-win? How do you create something that works for both of you? It starts off first by knowing who am I? We've said this all along. Who am I? I got to figure that out first. This is what works for me. And then you look at the other person and say, tell me about you. Who are you? What works for you? It might be the first person you meet, you've never been sexual with them, and you start off and say, hey, what are you into? It could be your partner of 30 years that you say, hey, (laughs) when I look in your eyes, I don't see a spark anymore. What's going on? What do we need to talk about? Part of spirituality is figuring out the we. And so my encouragement for us all today, if we're in a we sexual relationship, to use this language. Go to her website. It's missjaya.com, J-A-I-Y-A. Take the test. It's free. There's a longer one that's even better. It's like, I don't know, 20 bucks or something like that. It'll help you see, it'll help you create language. It'll help you talk about this. Me and my wife, the last couple weeks, have been going through this. (laughs) <laughs> of course, her number one is not my number one. Uh, that was a surprise, huh? And so she's reading, I'm reading through it, and she's talking to me about things that work in her sexuality. And at one point I said, okay, babe, I understand all the words you're using because it's in English, but I have no clue what you're saying. Can you like dumb it like way down, like keep dumbing it down? Because I keep looking at her through the sexual and I can't see her. She'll use a word and I jump to what it means for me instead of going, no, no, babe, what, what does that mean to you?
I've run out of time, so let me do, make a quick switch here. I want to share a couple things. If sexuality is part of our spirituality, then how do we grow it? How do we create a healthy sexuality? Partnered, solo, partners, I don't care. Whatever it looks like for you. Here's some ideas. If you're energetic, again, don't put up your hand, but inside of your heart, put up your hand and be like, okay, yeah, I'm energetic. That's how I am. Here's some things you can do to feed yourself. Light, feathery touches. This is stuff you can do by yourself or with a partner, either is fine. Light, feathery touches. Honor that you need lots of space and tease. Again, it doesn't matter if you're the partner or if you're going to do something by yourself. If you're like, hey, look, tonight I want to do some self-pleasure. Think about it from the beginning of the day. Let yourself get, get excited about it. Deep emotional connection. When your heart's open, things will go smoother. If you have a partner, oftentimes you can do things like breathing together. If you sense your partner's really, really excited, that will move something inside of you. You can create all kinds of energy games. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Stand close to each other. Pull a little bit further apart. Blindfold one. Move each other closer and further apart. Ask for, like, foreplay. I want foreplay that starts at, like, 5 p.m. on Friday, and we're going to be sexual at 5 p.m. Friday the next night. Foreplay. If you're sensual, again, inside, put up your hand. Yay, sensual. Massage, hoth baths. One of the things with the sensual is this. Y'all need toggles. Your brain can't go from like everyday life to sensuality. You need something that'll shift you. They call them toggles. You can probably feel this. Come home, have a warm bath, something that smells beautiful, feels beautiful, it's slippery on your skin. <sighs> now you can be open to something sensual, right? Massage. Clean up the bedroom, clean up the kitchen, wherever you want to be sexual, clean it up. That pillow that's out of place and whatever it is, is screaming at you. Try and be sexual with something screaming at you, being like, I'm in the wrong place. Honor it. Put everything in the way it should be. Make it smell nice. Make it look nice. Feed the sensual. If you have a partner, ask for the same thing. Remember, for the sensuals, it's all the senses, not just touch, not just genital touch. It's all the senses, how it looks, how it smells, how it sounds, music. You're kinky. If you're kinky, again, put up your hand inside your heart. Number one thing you can do to feed your kinky is accept and honor what turns you on, even if it doesn't fit with what society says even if it doesn't fit with who you think you are. Honor it. It's okay. This is how you're wired. Once we get into that, it gets like, again, kinkies. Your guys' playground is so awesome and so big, but it would take me 20 minutes just to list off all the things you can do. But start with that. Honor that I have a kinky side, and that works for me. Whatever the taboo is, by yourself or with a partner, it doesn't matter. Sexual. This one's, this one's tricky. The sexual is turned on by visuals, things that we think of as sex, nudity, being naked, self-pleasure, 
direct stimulation. Don't need to beat around the bush. We don't need to move the pillows around. We don't need to have a good soundtrack to this thing. Like, let's just get in this. But that's not something that's always honored in our society. That's considered dirty and wrong. What if we could honor the sexuals in the same way we honor everything else? Not as the only, not as the right one, as one in a smorgasbord of sexuality. For you sexuals, it's pretty straight and to the point, and that's okay. You know what turns you on, that's okay. Honor that part. Shapeshifters. Shapeshifters are these beautiful people. <laughs> Whatever most people want in terms of stimulation, they want more. Honor that. Honor that you want more stimulation and more interaction than normal people. So it looks like a bunch of different things. It means that the kind of stimulation you want is bigger than other people. It's okay. Oftentimes, shapeshifters will use toys and sexual aids because it brings more. Honor that. Feed that. <laughs> One of the things, I think the coolest thing she, she talks about, the, the shapeshifter can stack blueprints. You can have a, a time where you're like sensual and kinky and sexual all at the same time. Just know that that's Okay. Your appetite for sexuality and stimulation is massive. Feed it. Be okay with it. We all have shadow sides. One of the things you can do to help your sexuality is work on your shadow side. I was going to name a few and then I'm going to close up. Energetics. If you're an energetic, chances are one of your shadows is if someone does it differently than you, it's a little problematic for you. You might even get a little judgy. Because for you, the whole approach is so complex that when someone even touches you, oftentimes you can lose arousal just by being touched because it's too quick. And so you look at someone else and say, you did it wrong. Realize there's people different. Just talk about what you need. Sensuals, you can get so lost in the room being set up right, in the smell being wrong, in the candles burning the wrong kind, you just lose it. Your shadow work is to have a little flexibility. Be a little more open. Okay, the pillow's out of place. I can deal with that. I'm pretty sure I can deal with that. I'm not dealing with it. I need to put the pillow back. Kinkies, again, for you, your playground is so big, but the number one thing is getting lost in the playground. You're so focused on the one thing that works for you that you, you get locked into that. And that's all you can do. There's more to sex. It's a broad playground. Sexuals, it's all about penetration and genitals and quick, and you miss the whole party. You're just trying to get to the end. There's a whole party going on. There's all sorts of stuff that's going on, and we miss it because we jump right to the thing that works. Shapeshifters, if you're sexual with another person, watch them because sometimes you can be too much, especially the... Uh, shapeshifter with the energetic. Shapeshifter wants more, 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 and the energetic's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need some time to get my brain around this. Today, I hope I showed you a way to talk about sexuality that's broader, that's more open. I wanted to show you the superpowers that you have, that your unique sexuality has. 
It's so cool what we can all do. And I want to show you the breadth and the, the scope of sexuality and, and how probably every one of us went, wow, that's bigger than I was expecting. I also want to show that sometimes we get caught in things, and that's okay. My prayer for each of us, and even the fact that I say prayer and sex, can I say prayer and sex at the same time? Is that allowed? Song of Songs says I can, although they don't talk about praying in there either. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for my wife, is that we learn who we all are sexually. Whatever that looks like, however complex that is for us, however that looks, how bright your light shines, how dim your light shines, how messed up your light is because of whatever's happened to you, because of whatever stuff that's going on in your life, whatever that looks like, I want to open it up so we can have this conversation and say, this is who I am. And if we're partnered, if we have partners in our life, we can say to them, hey, this is who I am, who are you? And I'm going to look in your eyes and I'm going to see, you're going to see in my eyes, love and acceptance. Even if you're different, even if the things you're, you're interested in, I don't even know what to do with that. But instead of saying, whoa, we'll all say, hey, tell me about that. I want to know who you are. Because I think at the heart of all of our spirituality is a full acceptance of who we are. So my prayer is that we go to the place of accepting even this part of ourselves. Amen? Oh, I like getting to use like old school church language by saying amen at the end. That was fun. <laughs> Take a deep breath, everyone. <sighs> we made it through the sex conversation. We didn't die. Well done. Proud of you all. Have a great week. See you next week.